Appointment Ministries Podcast Network. Strength for today's pastor. Here's your host, Bill Holdridge. Bill is the director of Poiman Ministries, which is a team of former longtime senior pastors who are available to strengthen pastors, to strengthen churches. Welcome to today's episode of Strength for Today's Pastor. I'm really excited about this conversation. I have Tim Brown with me. Tim is the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Fremont, California. He and I have been friends for a long time. Tim, welcome to the program. It's really great to have you. Thank you, Bill. It's good to be with you. Yeah, you've been in ministry for a long time, going all the way back to 1973. Um, In one capacity or another, youth pastor, assistant pastor, senior pastor, uh, since 1973, uh, I've given my my life and myself to ministry. Wonderful. Well, that that gives you lots of years going back to uh, speak on today's subject. We're going to be talking about keeping the pastoral heart fresh. And Tim, you said something on your website. I like this isn't totally related, but a little bit. Uh, You said on your website, we want you to figure out what Jesus wants you to do and then do that. You're speaking, of course, to people that are visiting your church or who are part of your church. What a great statement. We want you to figure out what Jesus wants you to do and then do that. How did you come up with that one? Well, I... I have been frustrated since the 80s with uh, the whole emphasis on what's your vision statement, what's your mission statement, and Bill, for the life of me, I I still don't know what the difference is between a vision statement and a mission statement, and you know, uh, all of these these churches that are trying to uh, come up with a vision statement that is uh, unique to them and, and whatnot. And those things just frustrated me because when it all boiled down, uh, they all said the same thing. And I thought, well, what what are we really about? And I, I just thought about Ephesians 4 and the ministry, uh, equipping others for the ministry. And you know what? I, I, I don't have a vision for your life apart from what Jesus has for you. And so... I mean, I could tell you God loves you, and I have a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> but I believe that God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. And so uh, we want you to discover what Jesus wants you to do and do it. And uh, we will help you in that. We will support you in that. So my vision isn't institutionally based. It's individually based. I don't want to have an institutional vision that I want you to serve I want you to have the vision of Jesus. And again, this is off topic, but just going through the book of Acts now with the church, uh, Philip goes up to Samaria. I don't know if the church in uh, Jerusalem had a vision for Samaria or for Ethiopia. Certainly they didn't have a vision for the Gentiles because when Peter came back to Jerusalem in Acts chapter 11, there were those who took issue with him. They argued with him because he had gone to the Gentiles. You know, that's not part of our vision statement. That's not part of our mission. But it's, it's a part of the mission of Jesus, obviously. And I think sometimes the vision and the mission statements of church uh, can be ministry limiting. And so we, we just want to release you. We believe you can hear from God, and we want to release you to what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. 
I share your frustration with the vision mission statement thing. And uh, it took a while, but I finally landed on the Great Commission as being our vision. It has to be. If it's not that, then we're not having a biblical vision. I've settled on the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Yeah. Uh, to love, the goal of our instruction is love. The greatest is love. And uh, the still more excellent way is love. And so to love and to go. Yeah. And so that, that kind of comprises my vision. So however Jesus releases you to love and to go, we want to get behind that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's freeing. I think a lot of guys and, you know, any of us can fall into this, are too consumed with trying to do whatever we can to build our church and make it an institutional thing. That's a great way to put it. Thanks for that. Well, you had stated... Um, that you have challenges in ministry. Of course, that's no surprise that you have challenges. It's no surprise that I have challenges, that any man who is called as a pastor has challenges in ministry. And if we were to ask anyone listening to this episode today, what are your greatest challenges? There'd be a lot of, a lot of varied responses. But you said the greatest challenge that you face as a pastor and as a Christian isn't in keeping your heart pure, but in Go ahead and fill in the blank. Well, I'm keeping my heart and my mind fresh. Mm. And uh, though those can be uh, related issues, they can obviously be separate issues also. And so, again, my greatest challenge is to keep my heart fresh. And what I mean by that is freshness can be accented by its antonyms. So one of the antonyms of fresh is to be tired, which means lacking energy. Uh, one of the antonyms is stale, which means you're no longer new, you're no longer exciting, you're interesting, you're no longer able to perform well or creatively, and you're also no longer alert, you're inattentive. And so in keeping my heart fresh means I want to keep my, my, my uh, life and my heart energetic, creative, alert, and attentive to the moment. Because I think, like you know, it's easy to slip into the routine of life in the ministry. And boy, I, I can go into automatic pilot so easily. And when I do that, I'm not alert, I'm not creative, I'm not energetic, I'm not as I should be in the home or in the church. And so the rhythms and the patterns of life, the rhythms and the pattern of ministry become predictable. And so my challenge, and I think everybody's challenge that's in the ministry, is how do I keep fresh in the face of predictability. Okay, so before we go into that more deeply, Tim, what does it look like for you, or maybe you know about others, what does it look like to go on automatic pilot? I know it's a lack of freshness, but how does that affect things like your your one-on-one -on -one ministry? How does that affect things like your church programming development? How does it affect things like your sermon prep and delivery? Maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, let me start in the counseling aspect of ministry. Boy, you know, when it comes to marital counseling, uh, career counseling, individual difficulty that people have, it seems to me that Though everybody's problem is unique, they fall into predictable patterns and rhythms. 
And so I can begin to hear a couple talk about a difficulty, a challenge that they're facing, and I automatically pigeonhole it into a certain a certain category, and I no longer listen for the nuances. Mm. And uh, because it seems to me like the the rhythm of what they're saying and the pattern of what they're articulating to me, it it it's predictable. I've seen this before. I've heard this before. And then I'm no longer alert to the nuances so that when I begin to address them, I get the look like, you haven't heard a word we've said, <laughs> have you? And uh, I realize then, boy, I've, I'm not fresh in the moment here. Uh, so I, I want to be fresh, whether it's the one-on-one ministry or the counseling mini ministry. I want to be alert uh, to their hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they long to be pastored and to be loved. And when they perceive themselves as just another rhythm and a pattern in the pastor's life, it can be discouraging on their part. And so I don't want to treat them like a number. I want to treat them uh, meaning just as uh, something that's easily digestible. I want to be able to hear them and digest everything they're saying in a brand new way. Uh, so that, that's, that's one way in mm-hmm. terms of people interactions. And I think it's important for the pastor to keep sharp in his uh, skill set when it comes to interactions with people. Mm-hmm. And I'm 66 now, and so after so many years in ministry, it's easy to um, recognize patterns and rhythms. And I have to, in, in one way that's helpful, in another way it can lull me into an inattentiveness uh, when it comes to sermon uh, preparation, it's easy, and I think especially now with, you know, uh, click, copy, and paste, <laughs> to fill your sermons with information uh, that really doesn't convey revelation. It, it's information about the text that doesn't convey the revelation of the heart of God. And uh, whether it's click and paste or whether it's just uh, reading books, uh, it's easy uh, for me, and I'll just speak personally here, to uh, convey information without a real sense of, of, of the urgency of the voice of God speaking in the moment. That really takes away from the, I, the uh, anticipation and excitement about getting into the pulpit, doesn't it? It does. It does, and I want to be fresh in the pulpit. I think we've all heard uh, men who may seem energetic in the pulpit, yet yet their message is just uh, their Wednesday night uh, study. They put in the microwave uh, for that pastor's conference or for that message, and it doesn't bear the freshness of just right out of the oven mm-hmm. of their heart before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want every time I stand before the people God's given me to serve. Well, you know, somebody's listening to this, a pastor, and he's he's thinking, oh boy, <laughs> I think I'm pretty stale right now. And I know your heart, Tim. You are a lover of pastors, a lover of people, and you have helped so many guys, including me, over the years and times of difficulty. But uh, what would you say to that guy who right now at this point in the podcast is starting to think, man, I'm discouraged. This is really discouraging so far. 
forgive me. I don't want it to be that. Uh, but uh, I think there are obviously uh, solutions or approaches to keep the heart fresh. And uh, for me, there's two main ways. Number one is communion with God. Uh, daily communion with God, which is, I mean, it's just the basics. Uh, worship. Uh, for me, I even stand with my arms raised to God. I thank him for who he is. I praise him, even for the difficulties I'm going through and the way that he's shaping me and molding me through it. Uh, and just, just getting hold of, of God in the present for me. Uh, there's meditation, whether it be through the message I'm preparing for that to Sunday or Wednesday or another study or just uh, a text that happens to be uh, something I'm having devotions in. Um, just a deep, deep slowing down and, and thinking on a word, on a concept, and uh, just going slow. I, one of the words for meditation in the Hebrew is to chew the cud. Mm. And uh, we know the cow would eat the, eat the grass, eat the consume the vegetation, chew it, it would go into stomach number one, regurgitate it, uh, chew it some more, go into stomach number two, regurgitate it, chew it some more into stomach number three. And, and this is the picture of meditation, you know, just so thoroughly chomping into something that you're going to draw everything you can out of it. And then another discipline for me is just being silent uh, before the Lord. I find I have so much input whether it be through the computer, whether it be through social media, whether through books, uh, relationships, TV, there is constant, constant input. I just need to be quiet and silent before the Lord. And I find that to be rejuvenating. And that's one of the ways I keep my, myself fresh. Do you, um, after you have your quiet time in the morning, I assume that's when it is, uh, do you, after that time, reflect at all on what happened in the last hour, hour and a half, whatever length of time it is? Not necessarily. I, I reflect in that time, uh -huh. but afterwards I'm off to whatever I'm off to. Right, know. right, right, right. I get it. Yeah, one of the things that's helped me in, in my own refreshing time, and this has been in the last probably six or seven years, especially as I've been, when I've been reading the Bible, I've been reading it out loud. Mm. That's really been helpful in a weird way. And I don't know if this would work for everybody, but for me, what it does is it causes me to reflect more on what I'm reading. I'm hearing it audibly. I'm reading it with my eyes. And I'm able to now speak to the Lord and pause with it anytime I want to about a particular point that I'm reading or a particular narrative or an epistle or whatever it might be. That's been very helpful for me, too. Well, good. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think a guy just has to find what it is that's going to keep his heart fresh. Yep, and then camp on that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. We're all wired differently, that's for sure. But it's the same God. That's wonderful. Yeah. So talk about the second way. Well, the the second way. First of all, communion with God, and the second one has many components, but it's being content in God, meaning that God has given me a lane uh, to run in. Um, and I need to come to a place within my own being where I can say with the psalmist, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. And there are so many now um, uh, situations and circumstances that that would apply. For example, I've discovered that church health 
is more important than church size. Mm-hmm. You know, when I stand before God, God is not going to say, I have this against thee, Tim, that you only have 200 people in your church, and what's up with you? He He's not going to mention size to me at all. Mm-hmm. When I read the uh, letters to the seven churches in Revelation, the, these aren't about the size of the church. Jesus is concerned about the health of, of the church. And that's what God has made me responsible for. I'm responsible for the health of the church, not the size of the church. When I started going to Bible college in 1972, uh, the church growth movement was just uh, getting underway with uh, Donald McGavran and Wynne Arn and the Fuller Institute. And I still have a bunch of books on my shelves uh, with those kinds of studies and emphases in it. But I've come to the conclusion, I don't have a clue how to grow a church. I, I just I just don't know how to do that. But I know how to keep a church healthy and to make a church healthy. And that's what I'm responsible for. Uh, I can't do anything about the size, but I can do something about the health. But it's preoccupation with size that robs my soul of freshness. And so I need to look at those that God has given me and say, Thus it is well pleasing in your sight, O God. The lines have fallen me, fallen to me in pleasant places. Thank you so much, Lord, for these that you've given me to serve. Mm, amen. And be thrilled with what God has given me and not uh, be upset with what he hasn't. But that preoccupation with size, that'll rob my soul of freshness. That'll get me discouraged real quick. I love that statement you made, with what God has given me. And uh, if God has cleansed it, why do we call it common, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, good. Just good. precious people in the sight of God. You know, um, Nehemiah is building the wall, and uh, the peoples round about were ridiculing it and scorning him for the work. And I think it was Sanballat or Tobiah or both of them that said to Nehemiah, hey, come, come down and meet us in this valley somewhere. And Nehemiah said, I cannot come. I am doing a great work. And I would say to pastors, whether you have 10, 20, 2,000, 5,000, you are doing a great work. Uh, he didn't say I'm doing a big work. He said I'm doing a great work. And if you pour Jesus into someone else, that is a great work. And you're to be commended for that. You're not to be distracted from that. Because that what's that is what God has called you to do. I remember that conversation, Tim. That was like 25 years ago. You and I were sitting in the basement of the church that we were renting, and we were having a conversation. And you shared that. With oh, did me. I? Oh, yeah. Because you were, I think, freshly in Fremont and and uh, from South Valley Chapel to no, Valley no, Chapel, I wasn't San fresh. Jose, and then in oh, you weren't in Fremont yet. No, okay. we had just affiliated with. Calvary Chapel back in 1985. We began to get to know you, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm talking about like the mid to early 90s. Anyway, uh, I remember that conversation very well. And that whole, that idea, I'm doing a great work, that really, really helped me. And as you were saying that, I felt or sensed the Lord saying to me, Bill, you've been thinking of yourself as a single A pastor you're not single A, you're not double A, you're not triple A, you're major leagues. 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> because you're you're seeking to fulfill the Great Commission. Doesn't make that's any right. difference how big the church is. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's so you're, awesome. You're in the majors, Bill. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, and that and that particular word from Nehemiah has has fed my soul. Yeah. Uh, all these all these years also. Yeah, absolutely. Chill and on. I think there's a another thing too that uh, keeps me fresh, and it's the idea that character is more important than reputation. How how others esteem me, engage me, and engage me. That's my reputation. Uh, but essence trumps image. I'm a little bit uh, concerned when I see how image conscious some of the churches are uh, with the whole concept of branding and whatnot. But essence trumps uh, uh, image. And a preoccupation with reputation, that robs my soul of freshness. And what I mean is, I wonder what Bill thinks about me. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't he invite me to come speak at his conference? And why, why this and why that? And uh, why, don't, why don't more guys seek me out kind of a thing? And when I, when I get preoccupied with reputation, boy, uh, that's just the, the fast track to discouragement. And that'll just bring my soul uh, into lack of energy, lack of attentiveness, lack of creativity. And so when I stand before the Lord, the measurement is going to be character and not reputation. And so I want to be God man right where I'm at. Yeah, boy, what a great word. Uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, you know, a lot of people in the world, but there's really only one person I can do anything about. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there you go. And that's me. And uh, sometimes I don't listen to me. So. <laughs> uh, there's a problem with that. Another uh, area, too, where I need to remain content in God and where the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places is I'll put it like this, is that the pastor needs to have the ability to feed himself. You know, I, I, I'm blessed every week as God reveals himself to me uh, in, in the study of the word. I remember listening to John MacArthur quite a few years ago, and he said that someone had commented to him, I, I bet the greatest thrill you have is to stand before God's people and to speak the word. And, and John said, well, that, that, that's a great privilege. That's a great honor. But the greatest thrill of my life is being in my office uh, with the word open and studying, and God reveals himself to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that... That, to me, is the freshest manna. I wish sometimes that, uh, whether it's Thursday morning or Tuesday afternoon, I wish it could be Sunday morning right then. And, <laughs> and I, could, I could pour out what God is pouring into me uh, because it's just so fresh. And I know that when I give, we um, touched on it earlier, when I uh, impart information without revelation, to me, that there's a staleness in the Bible study. You know, John Corson put it like this, we should give the people what um, milk, meat, and manna. When uh, there's not that manna, when there's not that, here is what God is saying to us in this passage today. When there's not that revelation of the heart of God. That, uh, to me, is a Bible study that's lacking. And when I engage in that my soul is not kept fresh and so information without revelation mm-hmm. information without receiving revelation that drains my soul mm-hmm. of freshness mm-hmm. 
And sometimes I put a study together and I'm just, I'm just dissatisfied. I have all the information right, linguistically, culturally, historically, theologically. I think, you know, exegetically, it's a jewel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I'm just, I, I, I am still looking for that, 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 that revelation that should be encapsulated through all that. And I, I know that there can be some objections to that kind of uh, mentality and approach, but that is what I look for and long for. We're looking for the boom in the text. The boom. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the boom. And I think another way for me to be content in God is to rejoice in another's blessing and success. You know, to be kingdom-minded and not just castle-minded. And I've discovered that resentment of another brother's success it robs my soul of freshness. And uh, I just need to, if if there's a brother that comes in down the road, whether he's a Calvary uh, pastor or uh, an extension campus or whoever it happens to be, and they just grow great guns, just to say thank you, Jesus, that being, people are being impacted uh, by you. The kingdom is expanding. And it's not about this castle that you've given under my charge but it's about your kingdom. I want to be kingdom-minded and not just castle-minded. I love that phrase, to be kingdom-minded. That's just awesome. And you do that. I mean, that's who you are. Thanks, Bill. And um, there's another area, too, where I uh, am conscious, that I'm conscious of, that feeds into this, this freshness of my soul. And it has to do with me honoring the calling of God on my life. Um, people ask me, uh, they've asked me in the past, how do I know that I'm called? And my answer is, you'll know. You'll know. I, I don't know how to quantify it. For me, calling, it's, it's an engine inside of me. It's like your heart is an involuntary muscle. Your lungs are involuntary muscles. They just keep working whether you're conscious of it or not. Uh, for me, calling is an involuntary spiritual muscle. It's an engine inside of me. There's a song by uh, Casting Crowns, and I forget the name of the song, but it talks about Ezekiel's dry bones. And uh, here's a pastor who stands before his congregation driven by a calling on his life. And uh, I know we're supposed to be spirit-led and not driven, but you get the point here. Uh, uh, driven, this, 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 this calling drives me. I was talking to a guy about a year ago in the lobby or in the cafe of our church, and he's an international tax attorney. And he told me that there was a firm in Geneva that was putting together a package to hire him. I said, are you serious? You're going to move to Switzerland? He goes, yeah. And and I asked him, he said, how old are you? And he said, 56, you know, which obviously isn't that old. But I said, this company would invest uh, all that money and all those resources in you at this age. He goes, listen, I am a valuable man. Mm-hmm. I'm at the top of my game. He's an international tax attorney. He knows what will work in France that won't work in uh, England that will work in Switzerland that won't work in Luxembourg. He knows all the laws. You know, it's amazing what he's garnered these last three decades. You know, in this business, he goes, "I'm at the top of my game. I'm a valuable man." And listening to that, I said, "You know what? I am too." 
thought, well, here's the thing. I feel, and this is, and this might sound arrogant, and I certainly don't want it to sound like that. It, it is what it is. Uh, after 40 years of ministry, Bill, I think I've got a few things figured out. Ministry for me is so incredibly simple. I, I used to lay awake at night wondering what to do and, and how to do it and should I do it this way and oh, did I do it the right way and it just seems so complicated. But now it's just so incredibly simple. I, I can have a couple sit in front of me with the worst horror story of marriage you've ever heard. I know exactly what to say to them. Uh, I it just I just know what to say. I can have area pastors uh, call me and say, hey, I've got this difficulty, that challenge. I just don't know what to do. And Bill, it's crystal clear to me what they should do. And it just it's just so simple now. No, I think that would be true of anybody in any profession. You know, whether you're a carpenter or a, an attorney or things. You know, obviously you learn the uh, the ropes of the trade and uh, you learn all of the different uh, ins and the outs. But right now, Bill, I, I feel like uh, why would I want to retire? Uh, I feel like I'm at uh, a place where I can really begin to be of some help to somebody. You know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, don't I'm retire, just, Tim. Don't yeah. retire. That would be bad. Uh, don't retire. <laughs> uh, I'm just really enjoying uh, the ministry right now. Yeah. And I know that you've been big before on succession plans and whatnot. Uh -huh. And we have one here at the church. You know, if I were to uh, fall over and die today, the elders know what to do and yeah. the church would go on. But we we don't have a we have a we have a succession strategy, but we don't have a succession plan, meaning uh my uh, my replacement isn't in the wings being groomed kind of a thing right to me now this might sound strange Bill, but i think my best years are ahead of me well good i'm glad because why not why yeah why not why not why, why not, not you why not me absolutely yeah. lots of gas left in the tank now a uh a world champion boxer might want to retire before he's unseated uh -huh. but killed. Uh, <laughs> when he's at the top yeah but i don't want to in one way, I feel like I'm at the top, meaning at the top of me, uh, the top of my, uh, for lack of a better word, performance yeah. and the skill set and abilities, et cetera. Yeah. And so I'm just really enjoying the ministry right now. Well, that whole thing about going back to calling, I mean, you know when God called you, and you know you started the ministry back in 1973, you've been doing it all these years, and, and you know what God called you to do and called you to be, and you know who you are, and you're just rejoicing in how God has wired you and what he's taught you in, in the midst yeah. of that calling, and it's all coming together. It has come together for years now, but, I mean, you're really seeing it. That's not arrogance. I don't see that as arrogance at all. Well, I thought before, you know, because you and I have been friends for so long. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't it be great to maybe uh, retire from here and uh, be appointment guy? Yeah. But then I thought about it for thirty seconds and go, eh, nah. You know, <laughs> it's just uh, not that what you do is important. Obviously, it's of great importance, yeah. but it just doesn't ring my bell. Yeah. You know, and and what I hear in that is Jesus saying no. Right. What I have for Bill, if I want him to remain until I. <laughs> What's that to you? You follow me. Yeah. And and you have to follow your path. I mean, again, I have to be content with the lane that he has called me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. 
Well, we've had a great conversation, Tim. I want to thank you for for joining this conversation, actually leading the conversation. It's been great. And, you know, for those of you that just are listening towards the tail end of this, uh, we've been talking about the greatest challenge that Tim has faced as a pastor isn't in keeping his heart pure, but in keeping his heart fresh. And he went into two basic areas of how that works for him. Communion with God, number one. Worship, meditation, being silent before the Lord. And then secondly, coming into a position of or a place of satisfaction with the with the path that God has given him. He's got a lane the Lord has called him to run in and uh, the things that are under that. And it's all been very helpful. And I'm just praying and hoping that this will be very encouraging, Tim, for all of those that are going to be listening to this. And I think it will be. Well, amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So thanks for joining us again today on Strength for Today's Pastor, and we look forward to the next time. And we'll be hearing from Pastor Tim next week as well on the subject of pastors pastoring pastors and what that might look like. It's going to be really interesting. So God bless you. Have a wonderful week in Jesus. And may the Lord strengthen you in your calling and in that which he has made you to be and what he has called you to do. And may he give you freshness in every area of life and ministry in Jesus' name. Strength for Today's Pastor is sponsored by Poyman Ministries. You can find us at poymanministries.com. That's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N ministries.com. If something in today's program prompts a question or desire to connect with us, or if you have a comment or a topic idea for a future episode, just shoot us an email at strongerpastors at gmail.com. That's strongerpastors at gmail.com. Until we meet again, may you continue to be a strengthened pastor.